I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Light it up like a city at night. Old dark bones in the city. Welcome to the Sport of It's episode 26. We've got we've got a full house tonight. We've got all of the Ran- the St. Cloud Randball stews. Just about all of them are here. Pretty much. So yeah. I'm going to let Stu introduce everybody who's around the around the table on the couch. Hey people, it's uh, Stu. Uh, hey sports buddies. Um, let's see. We've got uh, Hunter Weeks, my brother-in-law here. Um, we have my my wife. Uh, Mandy is here. Nice. My, Classic. My sister-in-law, Hunter's wife, uh, Sarah Hall, is here. And my daughter, Piper, is also here. Hi. Awesome. I, I don't know if the mic picked that up, Piper. <laughs> she actually has a mic and some headphones on right now. So I don't you, know how the mic works. <laughs> you talk into the end. That's okay. Neither does Clarence. So <laughs> yeah. It hasn't stopped him from calling in most You're of the week. the so. second most technical, technologically yeah. savvy person on this podcast. Clarence is actually on a pontoon right now, isn't he? Yeah, Clarence is on a pontoon shooting guns and yeah. possibly invading Canada. Probably seceding from the Union wow. and yeah. declaring his own sovereignty. So, so. congratulations. Good on job, Clarence. Clarence Landia. Yeah. We'll get we'll check back in with him next week. But yeah, so I got my whole uh, whole family here pretty much. So. And your illegitimate co- younger brother Brandon is on the line as well. Yes. Oh, oh hey. Uh, yo, that's yep. B. So. Yo, yeah, that's B. so that's uh that's uh what we got here. We got a full full house. Yep. But the so. main reason that we're here is to talk to Hunter, right? Because he's a he's a big wig. He's got actual talent in the real world. Yes, yes, he does <laughs> have right. actual talent in the real world. The main reason <laughs> we're here is to talk to Piper and possibly have Stu's wife and sister and sister in law laugh at us. And yeah. that's what's happened so far. But. Yeah, they've just been throwing stuff at us. Yep. But yeah, um, but yeah Hunter um, is a documentary filmmaker, and um, actually, um, for the sport of audience, he actually dire- directed a documentary about fantasy football called 10 yards correct that's right 10 yards we sometimes throw in the fantasy football in there just to you know try to get all the fantasy football fans to check it out yeah and um you uh it's not about that at all it's about like a murder or something (laughs) pretty much (laughs) it started out about fantasy football and took a very dark turn we we figured when we made it there was something like 20 million people playing it so we're like this is sure to be an instant hit but we found that wasn't to be the case (laughs) (laughs) um and i know uh local listeners uh, i know uh, paul charchian was a part of it was he not yeah paul charchian's in there yeah and he's obviously the people know him from k fan and the saturday uh fantasy radio show that is um, all over the internets, basically, in the local radio waves. 
but um, yeah, so that's uh, basically that's why we invited. He was in he was in town. He lives in uh, Montana, uh, beautiful Bozeman, Montana. But he was in town for family stuff this week, so we invited him on to talk about that and other filmmaking stuff, and basically just to um, gab. All right. So yeah, well, thanks, for, thanks for having me, guys. Let's oh, talk hey, about no a couple problem. of these films because I, I was on the website looking at some of the previews and stuff. A lot of them seem to involve journeys of some kind. Yeah, yeah not the band Journey. <laughs> well, the multiple incarnations of Journey, hence yes. journeys. But yes. journey. the, mm-hmm. you float down the Yellowstone li- River in one. You drive a Segway across America in one. Is that? Is that a conscious theme, or is that just, oh, this seems like a fun thing to make a movie about? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty conscious. You know, yeah. I grew up when I was younger traveling quite a bit, and I was I was uh, getting into school, going to college, trying to figure out what to study, and I'm like, I just want to travel around the world and enjoy it and see places and go and, and do things. So I started devising in the back of my head, how can I, how can I make this happen? You know, sort of half seriously, but I knew ultimately I'd have to really go to work. But, uh, but then once I started working in a real job, I... Uh, I was just thinking more and more about how I really wanted to do this stuff, you know, go out there and, and create some content around some of the some of the sort of journey experiences I, 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 I've had, you know, and, and create turn those more into stories and whatnot. So uh, I, I've kind of gotten lucky in, in one sense that I figured out how to, you know, do a, you know, have a passion in life that I can make a little bit of money at. Uh, but then at the same time, it's, you know, one of those passions that you don't make much, much money at. But, but certainly I get out there. I think the thrill is you know, getting to travel and getting to see parts of the country or parts of the world that I normally wouldn't because of, you know, because of this choice. Sure. So walk me through a little bit some of the some of the movies you've made in the past. There was 10 MPH, which would I be right in saying that that was the one that got the most attention? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey itself, you know, trying to make films. It's a, there's millions of us, I feel like, trying to make make films out there and you're trying to figure out how to do it and and kind of you know rise to the top and you know obviously if your stories are good you you know that's one one part of the battle and then the other part of the battle is just getting the attention so uh the first film 10 miles per hour um was sort of just this this uh random experience uh experiment that my buddy and i um tried we quit our jobs we're working a software company in arizona and um and we moved up to Denver, and is right around, you know, a few years after the Segway had come out, those mm-hmm. self-balancing, goofy scooters. And so one of my friends, Jay Fred, who's heavily involved in 10, Ten Yards, the second movie we did, the fantasy football film, he suggested to us, he's like, you guys uh, you guys should be the first people to ride a Segway across the country. You'll get <laughs> huge attention. And so <laughs> so we were like, you know, I, laugh, I was like, no way at first. And, and, and we kind of laughed about it. And we kept talking about it, though, for a couple weeks, and all of a sudden – it turned into let's do it why not you know this is like this time in our lives we were in our 20s and we didn't you know have any serious responsibilities and so we said let's just go for it and and we you know just my buddy josh caldwell and i just basically (coughs) put everything we could into it to make it happen and we had a third guy who was involved at the time when you watch the story you'll see what kind of happens there because as the story sort of evolves we end up telling a little bit of our own story going through this experience uh, along with all the people that we met uh in the country because we'd travel about 50 miles a day so you'd end up <laughs> meeting quite a few Holy people shit. yeah so how long did it take to get across uh it took uh it took 100 days and we we could have done it quicker but we actually <laughs> but you're on a Segway so a segway. <laughs> pretty much eliminated yeah no we know you could have done it quicker yeah. it's called an airplane yeah <laughs> <laughs> we uh no it was it was an, it was an interesting you know process to go through that though and uh you know after a while like 
the first two weeks you're like oh my god we're never gonna get done but then you kind of lose yourself in that experience and and uh and of course when we got done we were totally out of money broke we had no idea how we'd make a movie what we were going to do and and so yeah we make this movie and and um it was a you know it was a matter of a lot of work you know and kind of timing and and uh and sort of a sort of some digital savviness that we had from our experience, and you know, this was kind of early in the days of digital filmmaking, sure. especially digital distribution like that. Nobody was streaming movies online; nothing like that was going on. And so we we just uh, we started figuring that stuff out ourselves and launching. Like you know, we we sold the film digitally um, after sort of a conventional release where we toured around with the, with the film. We were the first uh-huh. documentary on YouTube, and it got a lot of attention for that. So sweet, yeah, it's pretty cool. Was there a narrative that you had sort of preconceived before you started? of here's the kind of store we want to frame this up or was it like let's just get on these weirdo things and get moving and see what stories come out of it yeah i think it w- we did have an idea and we didn't really follow it <laughs> <laughs> we got, yep we got out there we're like okay we're going to tell the story of what's today's american dream and we had this idea that we'd meet all these famous people and talk to them and that was just not happening at all but what was interesting was Whoa, wait, wait a minute. Famous people didn't want to talk to two weirdos on a Segway? Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> it's funny when you're like 25 and you're thinking, oh, yeah, we'll just make this movie and all these you know, incredible yep. people will talk to us and then we'll go off and put it out there and win, you know, win all these awards and have the next big supersize me. Yeah, totally. Uh, and that's not the way it, way it went, of course. <laughs> so, uh, but it's... Um, what we ended up doing was we ended up talking to regular people, everybody, like all kinds of Americans, both sides of the political fence are, you know, you know, just uh, just a huge variety of really interesting, you know, folks along the way. And they kind of told about their stories and what how they got to where they were at in life. And, and so as we as we got back to the edit table and put the put the movie together, we started to realize this was a message about doing your thing because Josh and I quit our jobs just cold turkey we had decent software jobs and we were like you know this is just a a way to waste life you know i could sit in a cubicle the rest of my life and make a ton of money but i'm not going to be really getting much out of it so so we uh you know we did this i'm suicidal now i was just thinking the rest of us sit in cubicles you guys still have a chance Come on, there's whoa, still whoa, segways whoa, whoa, whoa. out there. There's other weird vehicles, <laughs> you know. I'm gonna drive a Segway to Montreal. I'll let you borrow my Segway. <laughs> was this a time in life where Segways were like new enough to be kind of cool and weird, or was it like you were being laughed at as being on a Segway? <laughs> no, the thing about if I recall the Segway correctly, it was pretty much dorky immediately upon arrival. <laughs> there was no point at which they were cool. Well, the first time I was on, I saw one on TV was Job driving at an Arrested Development. Yeah. That's the first time that I actually saw someone. You know, in popular culture, doing it, and he was obviously um, the butt of the joke on that show. And didn't President Bush also fall off one and hurt himself or something like that? Yeah, wow. Did that happen? Did. That's going to happen. That's, that's right. a yeah. user error, probably. That's yeah. That one, I'm not pinning that one on Segway at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was at work uh, my first week. I had started down here at a um, at my new job. And I got out of the elevator um, to go to the lunchroom, and some dude was getting onto the elevator on a Segway, and he almost fucking ran me over. <laughs> Why would he do so that? I go That's and, just mean. So I go and talk to my buddies. I'm like, dude, there's some maniac rolling around here on a Segway, like in the building. And it turns out it's our actual CEO. He's got like a health problem and has to actually use it. And so I'm glad I didn't give him a glare or anything. But anyway, there is at least still one user of a Segways. Well, that reminds me of a moment we were in New York with this whole like Segway, Segway posse there. So you have these total like hardcore evangelist Segway, you know, riders. Yep. And so we'd meet up with them from time to time as we went across the country. And so we were with these New York guys, and like they were just like 
they go anywhere and they disobey all the rules and they're like a segway should be able to go anywhere we should be able to go inside we should be able to it's just like walking and i'm like okay it was like <laughs> so, a civil rights thing to them yeah it was it was an interesting sort of stance but uh and we should was, be able to go swimming with this i should be able to jump yeah. in the pool with segway. yeah well uh, they haven't really taken off except for you know a few like security guards I always thought that the best thing for a Segway would be uh, on a golf course. I'm surprised that that part hasn't taken off. They already have vehicles that go on golf course courses, and they're fun, more fun to drive than the Segway. I think I'd rather be on a Segway than a golf cart, man. You well, could you could kind of like Segway up to your your ball and get an extra hard Segway drive. polo. I could see yeah, you're playing polo. Segway oh, polo, and that's kind cool. of you know Steve Wozniak, the yeah. the founder of Apple, the one that's still alive. He. Um, <laughs> Take that, Steve sorry, Jobs. Sorry, Steve Jobs. Yeah. Um, anyways, he, he's out there um, doing some kind of you know Segway polo stuff. I've seen him a couple of times messing around, and and they're trying to turn it into something. I know Segway's gotten behind it and and tried to try to make it go. Field hockey so, for those yeah, who don't yeah. like to run, but it's dangerous, man. I tell you, the Segways are. I mean, they're a lot more dangerous than you think. Did you get hurt? I didn't. Um, you know, I had a couple. We actually, towards the end, and, it, and we should have done this because the movie probably would have come huge. We were going to, like, do a lot of, like, fake crashes and stuff <laughs> like that and, sure. you know, put those out there. We, we did a couple of blooper reels that were, where some of that stuff um, was happening, but we, we did have somebody who was trying the Segway out that um, did break their ankle, and I remember being so nervous about the liabilities and stuff <laughs> like that because everybody wanted to try the thing. But yeah. They were cool about well, it. Did you ever um, contact the company to see if they would support this endeavor? There could be a story about their, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, we did. In fact, that's part of the film in the very beginning. You see Josh and I trying to set this whole thing up, and how the heck are we going to do it? So that's, you know, I won't, right. I won't spoil exactly what happens, but, you know, let's just say we had to make it happen ourselves. <laughs> pretty much, okay, so. all right. Yeah. Um, a little side note uh, for uh, longtime sportive listeners, the uh, second... Uh, guest on our program, Dana Wessel, uh, uh, tweeted out that he had watched, a, uh, I believe the documentary channel had 10 miles per hour on it, and he had watched it and said, these two goofy bastards are driving across the country on Segways, and it's really interesting. And I just had to mention to Dana that that's, that's my brother-in-law. <laughs> so, yeah, so the small world, after all, music started playing, and but yeah. oh, it did. Of course this it did. film is Dana Wessel approved. This, it is Dana Wessel yeah. approved. I mean, he watches everything, so that doesn't you know. But he did. He did like this one. So, oh, that's good. great. It does amaze me though the power of channels because that's oh, yeah. one of the things you know when you get out there and you make a film and you're you're trying to hawk it and trying to get all your friends to buy and all that stuff. You you eventually do get a couple of these lucky hits where somebody like Netflix picks it up or you know in this case documentary channel mm-hmm. and it always blows my mind because that's what has the power and that's what gets to the eyeballs you know yeah yeah. and as a, um, how many are all of your films on Netflix or just a couple or well is that, is that like you know come and go it's kind of come and go right now I've got two on Netflix instant which mm-hmm. um, is ride the divide and then a film called where the Yellowstone goes 10 miles per hour was on there. I believe the DVD is still available if you have the DVD uh, subscription plan um, for 10 miles per hour. Um, but it's no longer on the instant. So okay. hopefully we'll get them to renew that license someday. And, you know, they're expanding territories now, and there's lots more competition. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that space. But that has definitely been one of the better. Yeah, because you got Amazon streaming their stuff, and you yeah. just a cable provider. Well, it's the long, it's the, uh, they call it the long tail. That's, like, That's right. the, way, the reason that it's all... 
You guys are getting a second chance. Well, exactly, like a movie like Paul Mart, um, Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> that, that movie <laughs> would have got a segue. Yeah, segue we movie talk ever. about that every episode. That's yeah. one of the best films ever, and yeah. you know, it's that was one of the segues. That so was going to be one of the names for this <laughs> yeah. podcast. But that actually, Paul Blart Sports Podcast. Oh, you guys yeah, should maybe a, change it. It's a real it. microcosm yeah. of America, really. It's a story of America. Change That's what I was really is. A lot of fart jokes. Change it up. So yes. that, so that. Did you see Paul Blart I never saw Paul Blart <laughs> He seemed so expert in there. He just had no. this knowing look come across your no, face. No, I've seen enough shitty movies in my life. That about I, the oh, second act of Paul Blart Paul Blart to there. that pile. Oh my gosh. So. Yeah. But that one gave our, our film a boost, so it's neat. You know, that's. I love that. That's right, because you're on a segue in there. Okay. All of a sudden. There you go. Connection. Wow. Who knew? So if. Taking a step back. So that was your first movie, is that right? That's right. So what was the inspiration to get you into documentary filmmaking in general? I mean, I think everybody um, loves documentaries, but it obviously is a, another huge step to actually go and do it yourself. Yeah, I mean, was I... Was it a film, or was it more about experience? I think for me it was just a, a creative outlet to do interesting things. Like, you know, like I said, I mean, I was kind of half joking like I was I tried to fi- I was going to figure out a way to basically travel and see the world and do things and get paid to do it you know and I think growing up my mom taught me I could you know I could pretty much do whatever I want and then as I got into life I was figuring out that's more difficult than you really think but I was kind of <laughs> going out there to and then you die really do it, yeah. <laughs> but um I think you know it was this weird experiment this time in our lives where we we're like let's just go and try to do this and around the time we we're making 10 miles per hour supersized me was blowing up and so i knew that i knew that with the the equipment that was available at the time we were using db um shooting db on these db cassette tapes you know and it was um just after that i mean this was the early days of digital digital shooting and all that and and I, I mean, I knew we could figure out how to put together and make a film, and we felt like we could do a supersized me, and you felt like your movie could be the supersized me that blows up, so you expect that it's going to get into Sundance and all that and take off. Yeah. And then, you know, long story short, of course, it doesn't, and none of my films have, and most filmmakers are like me. So it's, it's right. I mean, 99% of filmmakers maybe can get one film done, if, and that's it, you know, and that's, you know, it never goes anywhere, and that's the end of their career, so... I've been fortunate enough to figure out how to keep doing it because I really do enjoy the creative process. I think that there's a message in my film. I try to I try to stay pretty positive with my stories and try to not kind of succumb to what is being paid for out there to keep my original voice and just have this, you know, these, these experiences, these collective experiences. And hopefully it takes me somewhere. And, and it has. I mean, like, so far my, my life feels pretty dang fulfilled. But it's not like... I'm one of the big. You're not names. one of those assholes sitting behind a cubicle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. All those as a real job. All those assholes out there. <laughs> yeah. All of you probably <laughs> listening to this. Looking forward to hating yeah, sorry. myself by the end of this. You can turn it off now. <laughs> oh, you, you would have hated yourself after this, regardless. Of what we had on. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I know you're self-loathing. Second one was ten yards. Yeah, I want to let's skip over that for now because we'll come back to the because okay. that's the fantasy football aspect. Mm-hmm. Third one was riding the divide. Yeah, third, ride the divide. Ride the divide. Ride the Super divide. rookie approved. By Super the way. rookie approved. Another this long time. This is a bike um, race, twenty seven hundred miles across the continental divide. That's right. From south to north or north to south? It goes from north to south, but, to but south. you can ride it a few different ways. It's a very non-sanctioned race and kind of underground, and, and it's they're all nuts for the it's record. The Everyone who does it is insane. They totally are, but it's growing like exponentially now. It's been mostly because the people who ride bikes for yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those out here in uh, Minnesota too. Yes, correct. 
good good ones though I'll tell yeah. you that you guys have a great there's a there's a company out here that got involved with a film that came after Ride the Divide called Salsa um, QBP and it's you know Salsa Salsa Bikes um, mm-hmm. and so they're I mean they're a great breed I wonder if anyone will listen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway so that Ride the Divide was this great I mean experience where somebody came to me had seen had heard of 10 miles prior and all the success and said hey Mike Dion you know he wanted to ride in the race but he also wanted to make a movie and he came out of stars film channel out down in Denver and so mm-hmm. I was like well this sounds cool and why not but I was kind of at that point where I was like I don't know if I'm gonna keep making films because it's pretty tough you know and we ended up making the film together uh he he rode in the race you know he's part he's one of the characters and then um and then we you know came back after it's all done and put it all together and and again use sort of our DIY distribution methods to get it out to as many channels as possible and it actually took off it's done really well and that one today is, is our best grossing film it's the one reason why I think I'm able to keep doing this actually sure. um, continues to do pretty well especially that niche but I think cycling in general people that like the like the outdoors mm-hmm. and and so um, well the people into cycling are really into cycling I think that's a given mm-hmm. and that yeah. I think probably that explains that too it's, yeah. just, it's a really hardcore almost a, it's almost a religion for some of those people and mm-hmm. i'm not saying that's, that's a criticism at all it's just they love it they are hardcore so that so if you want to get like some crazy success with documentary you have to find that niche thing and just play up like how important it is to them right wow that's crazy sarah just showed me some crazy news we, we're doing that this is breaking news usually what we break is oh the twins are leading four to two in the four yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. this is even better this is a thousand dollars breaking news oh wow yeah we, we've awesome. got a we've got a campaign going on we'll tell you about that a little later um we'll get to the, yeah. the current movie that we're the, getting ready to the release plug called, segment of the program yeah called walter and and essentially uh there's uh these higher end kind of associate producer roles that um we offer three and people have now bought them all so oh perfect pretty oh, cool. awesome, and, they're, and they're three people we don't know so that's even so, more exciting so what do the associate all producers right. get to do on the movie well we're gonna put them to work <laughs> and we can take their money <laughs> uh, uh coffee it's more of an honorary role, but you know they're going to be. Kind of, you know, it's a it's a chance for us to get to know them, and possibly if if you know we all gel, maybe we'll work on more projects, yeah. and, and they'll help kind of put the word out about Walter, the current film. So they won't have to ride a bike twenty seven yeah. miles, twenty seven hundred yeah, exactly. miles across the continental yeah. divide. They can just yeah. buy their way. Yeah. There'll be a much yeah. less chafing in this associate producer. Mm-hmm. Role, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. So it's been in anyways. It's been an exciting process. I mean, so ride the divide takes off, and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? So all of a sudden, Mike and I, who made that film. Sp- kind of like work side by side but he develops a new film called Reveal the Path where he got Salsa involved in that and I develop a film called Where the Yellowstone Goes mm-hmm. uh, which is about a 30 day journey on the Yellowstone River and Reveal the Path was uh, kind of like a bike packing journey all around the world so we're both essentially you know, hiring each other to help on these film projects and, and going out making these films back to back a couple of years ago and so those are the films that are Released. Those are the ones that are out there. Out there, that you can see right now. Yeah, we think you should go to Netflix slash Amazon slash right. the documentary channel if you're slash hundred weeks dot org dot biz and dot uh, yeah. edu and dot uh, <laughs> co dot uk. Yep. Buy yeah. some swag. Just just Google. You know, yeah. Google or just around, Google Google games, and we'll we'll put all the stuff yeah. up on the twitters and the internets after yeah. uh, this post, so you can all take a look. Which you will have to. seen before you listen to this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the release ones. Tell us about the new one that you're working yeah, on. Yeah, the right one now. we're just talking about. The one with the breaking news with yes. the associated breaking news. I, I like this concept a lot. So I, think, I think this will be interesting to the to the people, even the idiot moron sports fans that 
listen to this. Just to point no out, offense, guys. if you Ooh. wanted to be an associate producer on this film, tough. Tough. Okay. You're out of a job. Yeah. yeah. It's already happened. But yeah. if you do want to be an executive producer and you have... No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> if you have like $2 million <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you want to Call be an executive up. producer, feel yeah. free. Yeah. Joel or right. Ethan Cohen, if you're listening to this. Yes. Um, they are. That would be the day, though. Yeah, that would be pretty Not Not really that. I never want to go that hot. But, you know, you think about... God, you get to this point, you work so hard, and you slave away year after year after year. It will be nice someday when there's like actually like somebody out there with some money that gets involved somehow. Because we kind of scrape them all together. Okay. And Walter's a perfect example of that. In fact, that started, and Sarah might jump on board here if she wants. Uh, my wife and I. My wife. We were not married at the time when this film came together, but I essentially, shortly before I met her, met the world's oldest man, Walter Bruning, who lived in... He lived in Montana, and he actually was from Melrose, Minnesota, so oh, right. not too far away uh, from here. And and um, home of John Ch- home John of Sharkman. John Sparkman. Yeah. yeah, but Walter was this incredible guy who just like knew so much, and he was from a totally different time than anybody I've ever met in my life because he was born in 1896. Yeah, even my mom's. I think my mom's dad might have been born around that time because my mom's kind of the older generation. But, like, I never met him. And so, like, to be able to sit there and go to this guy and talk to him and have him tell stories about the very early 1900s and discuss politics, sports, whatever, he was a really, I mean, really with it guy up until, you know, up until the very end. So I realized after meeting him, I was like, i got to make this this film somehow. But then I met Sarah and got distracted with (laughs) our journey together. So anyways, with Walter, I was definitely like, um, I like this guy, but then I started getting distracted with falling in love with Sarah. Oh, so yeah. I she, mean, I am rather distracting. Yeah. So. I mean, life was taking a whole different turn. I was in, I came out to Minneapolis, actually. I lived here in the coldest summer, or coldest winter you've ever had, and there was 15 feet of snow or something like that. Right. It probably wasn't, but it felt like it. Just no, for dramatic. That, that winter, yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was not. That winter was awful. Yeah. yeah that was, that was one of the worst winters that he decided to live out here but he made it through so how did you get me to make this film with you well you talked a lot about Walter like kind of endlessly I was a little worried about you Um, but uh, you know it was just something as, as simple as getting you to you know send him a postcard and you know ask if you'd be willing to to be part of a movie and you lucked out he wanted to be part of a movie so and how old was walter at this point so when i met him he's 113 by this time that we were getting Holy serious shit. yeah <laughs> he was i think he had he had just turned 114 when we were like i i approached him because sarah basically she set out this card every day said you should write him you should write him and finally i did i sent him a christmas card and i said hi walter i met you about a year ago and i'd love to come back and talk to you and maybe make a movie about you and so, so I didn't how did know. you meet him in the first place? Well, I was in Montana doing some work for an agency, and I was researching. The, uh, I had to do a generational piece, so I had to find like young people, old people, all this. And so I just Googled oldest person Montana, and Walter's name pops up. And then I start reading, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's the oldest man, the oldest living man right now. And I was like, this is incredible. And so then I'm like freaking out. I'm like, okay. He's hopefully still alive, because you never know with that article. It's minute to minute when you're 119 years old. <laughs> and I'm, like, trying to figure out if if he could still talk and all that thing, all yep. those things. And sure enough, I called him up, and I got up there to do the interview. That's why it was kind of incredible. I met him, and then almost a year later, when Sarah was like, you got to do this, you got to do this, I was like, well, there's no way he's still alive. So he was, and he was still able to totally talk, and 
and you know th- we decided to make this film together and it was interesting because this was a time in my life where I've always thought that this filmmaking thing's going to die like I thought it's just a fun little hobby and um, and you know when you get serious and get married I'm like well I gotta I gotta pay the bills now I can't you know screw around we might want to have kids and actually save money and do those adult things instead we did the opposite I I also I quit my job perfect yeah, <laughs> yeah. you get too much money <laughs> kids forever we had way too much money right designed let's make a film <laughs> so that's why I'm saying that this film it's it was sort of like let's do it as cheap as possible we had all the equipment we know how to tell stories it'll be a fun process together to, for Sarah to learn more about it but fortunately some guy came on and did give us a give us or you know invest a little bit of money into the project which allowed us to go to cuba allowed us uh to help us go to italy which was actually our honeymoon too we haven't told him that so we're kind of <laughs> like that's how you do it you know yeah kind of put these things together and right. get creative no it was cool i mean it it started with walter and you know we kind of discovered this sort of it's almost this underground community that's really into Old people, really exactly. old people. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah like I mean, there's forums and I mean, there's groups. <laughs> there, these people are so interested. Google in. Google 110 Club and read those forums. Yeah. If you find that that it's like a forum based website and it's unreal. Yeah. They like, track these people and they love these people and they think about like they they right. there's milestones and dates and they want to figure out who's who's gonna it's, die it's next. like the it's like <laughs> fantasy football only yeah. with are they betting on who's gonna die next we do a draft yeah they, i don't know if there's actually they, they have favorites side bets yeah. they have favorites they have people that they think mm-hmm. will go the distance and and they talk about breaking world records and things like that so is there like scouting reports on people who are 104 like you know this guy's 104 but he's yeah. in great shape he yeah. still goes for a walk every day i think he's we'll gonna throw, make it we'll throw the link up to this this uh <laughs> forum it's it's wild to look at it's i wonder if charge is one of those guys <laughs> 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 that wouldn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> Charge. Probably. But it okay, was a cool so experience, yeah. This guy, he seemed interesting to you, and you wanted to make a movie about his entire life or just kind of near the end stage and how he was living with being 113, or was it... I know you don't want to give anything away. No, no, no. I, yeah, with with films, I usually like the experience to just sort of evolve. You know, you kind of asked about that earlier with Tim Miles Prior, and I realized that from Tim Miles Prior, where we had this plan exact of how we wanted to tell that story, but the best way I've found to tell a story is to let the story be the story. Like, if you're really documenting a story, you, then you shouldn't be creating too much of it. And and sometimes I use, quite often I use my, myself as a device, like a part of the storytelling device, so I'll be in there from time to time. And, you know, in this case with Sarah, we were part of the story with Walter. And we would, you know, once we met Walter, we went on to meet the oldest person in the world who was a month older than him, a female living in in Monroe, Georgia, Bess Cooper. And so we started to visit these different old people and we started to like kind of compare and think about their lives and a little bit about our lives in that in this process and inter- intertwine that whole story together. And and so that, you know, it, it, it sort of became I don't know, it's it's just this journey we took together to meet these people and and um and we got we we got a lot out of it personally and so we've tried to figure out a way to do that for the to share that with the audience, sure. To try to get that experience uh, through the screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a feel-good film. I mean, it really is very positive. It's definitely one the family will be able to watch. And and but ultimately, it was pretty. Like for me, it was just the fact when I was sitting there with Walter, I was like, "This is so incredible!" Like somebody lived this long, such so long ago. We're all going to get old before we know it. I don't think any of us here will live to be 
114, but... Uh, Most of us, if we make it to 50, we'll be yeah, yeah, pretty we'll well. We're going to be lucky, especially <laughs> with know, all You it. know a podcaster's life, bro. We are right. a <laughs> wild life. Yeah. Living on the edge, my man. Yeah, but there's other ways to live beyond this mortal stage, I guess. <laughs> deep. Wow. <laughs> the last, you know, you think you're being deep, but last week we talked about Scientology Here we go. for 15 yeah. minutes, so... We're going to change it all up now. Deeper, doesn't get any deeper than that. If you want to name anybody as a Scientologist and then have yeah. Stu yell about L. Ron Hubbard for a while, <laughs> my feet, we can do that. My feet and count is off the charts. <laughs> yeah. My e-meter reading is fantastic. So I got a, I got a shot. Like <laughs> it. All right, so that's the current one. Where is that at in the process right now? I mean, it's like it's not obviously on Netflix yet, but no. where is that at? So this is this one's kind of interesting. We decided we're going to try to make this one of our biggest launches um, yet, and so we learned about as everybody else did because it came on during the, the Where the Yellowstone Goes days, which is a couple years ago. We learned about crowdfunding, mm-hmm. and so we set up the movie to sort of build uh, its initial audience, um, sort of the hardcore like these are our best supporters and they're going to stick with us through the through the process and we're trying to raise $20,000 on Kickstarter mm-hmm. um, or a little bit more but 20000 is the goal we have to meet and, and so essentially the film is done but what we do a lot of people use Kickstarter to get money before they make a project but we make the project at, least, you know, at this point and we get the money to help take it out on a bigger scale so mm-hmm. we're going to launch it for a week in New York and a week in L.A. And, and a week in Melrose, right? A week in Melrose, probably in Great <laughs> Falls, where Walter's from, and and uh, we'll um, we'll do some other special screenings. We have some pretty cool people involved from over the years we've gotten to know, and and uh, and try to make it a you know semi decent release, and uh, ultimately do everything we need to do to qualify it to be nominated for an Academy Award. And you know, just like all of this stuff that we're all doing, you've got to there's these certain things that if you get that credential, if you get that stamp, that as you call him the gold guy, the gold guy, yeah. You know, then it just sets up your your career. It gives you so many more opportunities. So we're going for it, and I can't say that we really expect to get nominated. I'll tell you this: if we end up having an Academy Award-winning filmmaking duo on this podcast, the podcast is over. After <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the day of the Academy Awards, we are shutting it down. We're spiking the headphones, pretty much. Yeah, just doing a little end zone dance. Fun. Hopefully we can be there here that day. <laughs> but yeah, there's a Kickstarter for Walter. You picking up my voice here? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, yeah. You're I'm, plenty I'm, loud, I'm, too. I'm plenty loud, yeah. Okay, and yeah, um, I believe the goal is 20000 is that correct? Yeah. And about 22 days left, and I believe you're about two-thirds of the way, roughly? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Just recently, yeah, we're at like 67%. Awesome. Awesome, man. We'll put we'll post that link, so if uh, sportive listeners, you want to kick a little change their way. I know I'd appreciate it. They'd appreciate it. John might appreciate it. He's I absolutely appreciate. He's it. non-committal and Brandon. I'm all about this Academy Award thing now. That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, this is the only goal I it's have for like the next two two years is making yeah, that happen. And yeah, we'll throw that up there on the internet's after after this posts. But cool. that's so. that's a big deal too. I mean, seriously, you think about like as as you get into these things, like we've gotten into filmmaking, you start to realize just how unreal it all is sort of you know i mean like people do get lucky and strike it big here and there but typically your your average filmmaker i mean seriously will never make more than a film or two and they mm-hmm. just kind of there's so many people graduating from film school i feel so bad for all, all these people that spend so much money to try to do this and the way the system set up is it's just like most things in our in our country in this western way it's corporate controlled you know in one way or another and so unless you go through this whole 
process out in LA or New York, it's difficult, you know, to get out there and break. So to have like these initial supporters and people like you even say, and, you know, even, you know, in, in a fun way, like Please, you need to expect nothing out of That's this awesome. podcast. No, I, I count on you. you I know here. I do. <laughs> Good. The so. only other thing that I want to talk about that you don't have to talk about is, um, the Manning Brothers um, direct TV commercial. What about the Manning about Brothers that? direct TV? You just want to talk about it? I just want to talk about it. Just mention that it's out there? I'm not sure I've seen this commercial. Is this one where they're rapping? Yes. And they're like... They uh, have weird hair. uh, Archie Manning, their father, is like the pimp daddy of the... He's wearing like an old Elvis jumpsuit. Yeah. This sounds like it's more sad than funny. I think it's funny funny, actually. Well, then I guess the only other thing that I have to say before before I go and let you guys get to it is uh, Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer? Yeah. I oh. just feel like I have to say that. Like, We support Joe Maurer yeah. and his twins. So yes. he, he should get some more dingers. Twins. But, yeah. <laughs> but, dinger. I'm pretty happy with the yeah. number of dingers he's hitting already. Yeah, yeah it's, that's true, actually. He's, he's, he's just fine. We like Joe Maurer. Decent amount of dingers. Yeah. yeah. yeah a reasonable number. He's, he's not flashy. Yeah, adequacity. He has achieved adequacy. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks, guys. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Bye, Sarah. That was Sarah, everybody. You know, I think this. Uh, on, Sarah. We always like having female guests on the program. They're smart and nice and funny, and we're dumb. I should mention that Josh Fiedler, who sponsored last week's podcast, he had a bunch of questions. He's actually he's getting married. They're meeting with the priest tonight, so he sent us a bunch of questions that he said he was also going to ask the priest. And so, <laughs> some of them. Uh, they were mostly podcast related, mm-hmm. and there were a couple of them that I was trying to figure out how I could um, clean them up for a family audience, <laughs> such as this podcast. But he said to wait till next week. So when Clarence is back and the yeah, filth exactly. returns. Yeah. So anybody who is listening to this because of the great family oriented episode of the podcast, please don't listen next week. Yeah, it will be a torrent of profanity. <laughs> it's just going to be a river of filth yeah. from beginning to end. That's awesome. Yes. Gotta so. mix it up every once in a while. Have the clean show. <laughs> okay. Now on Kickstarter, um, this is the second time you've done it, and I know it's really uh, taken off lately because I know I'm like some bigger names, like um, freaking uh, who's the guy from Scrubs, Brandon? Zach Braff. Z- Zach, Zach Braff, Braff did yeah. a Kickstarter, and you'd think he would be somebody who wouldn't need to go that route. Why yeah, did he what do a asshole. Kickstarter? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, because he wanted to make a movie, and he wasn't getting funding for I don't know Garden State to the gardening or. Constant gardening <laughs> state too. I don't know. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. But, yeah. So I don't. And I. I mean, I guess I'm conflicted. I think it's also like uh, Veronica Mars, which is a show that I adored. Um, they couldn't get funding either, so they, you know, raised the money to make the movie. And now I'm pleased with that because I wanted to see a Veronica Mars movie. Yeah, but there's a difference so. between the people who are involved with Veronica Mars, which ran for like one season or whatever, on the UPN. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> on a network that nobody got, or yeah. if they did, it was actually on UHF and not yeah. on their cable box. <laughs> Or Zach Braff, who was on a very successful yeah. show for that ran for yeah. twenty seven seasons. Yeah. Yes. So that, yeah, yeah, that's I'm, true. So I mean, yeah, it just didn't feel like they uh, that he needed it. It felt like Rob Thomas and Kristen Bell were they're also mm-hmm. multi multi millionaires, but it just mm-hmm. felt a little bit different to me. Yeah. Um, I also know that um, that Zosiah Mamet, I think is her name, David Mamet's daughter. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. did a Kickstarter for like a music video she wanted to do for one of her songs. Yeah. And people had just ripped her to shreds. <laughs> well, just good. ripped her to pieces. Good. She got like 4% of her goal. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was really gorgeous. I mean, because it's one thing to do a Kickstarter of something that people already know they they want and love, whatever. 
this chick just had a song that she wanted funded. That's a much different, much different thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, how is that different from us having a tip jar for this stupid podcast? You guys well, we're on. not multi-millionaires. That's very true. Yeah, she's David Mamet's daughter. She shouldn't have to worry about, you know, she should yeah, just ask, da- a, ask Dad to do, that, like, a spec all, script yeah, on, like, sweet, Mission sweet Impossible 5 dash. or something. Well, so, so like, I, th- it's interesting because that Spike Lee's doing one now, too. And, like, you definitely, you see this, like, uh, debate now going on whether it's cool or not. And so far I've been okay with it just because I think the more people that accept the idea of crowdfunding, and that sometimes takes big name, big talent to get it out there in, an, in a way that people go, okay, I don't have to feel so bad that I'm begging my friends to help me out and fans and things like that. But, you know, it's yeah. it's it's kind of like I, I do think that the, you know, the, I guess the debate is are those guys going to take away the money, you know, and the support that, that little guys like me yeah. Seed money get. that you guys really need, whereas it's some, yeah. some would call it a vanity project for them. Yeah, and they're, you know, but they're dealing with their challenges in, in you know, in the L.A. world and, you know, high up Hollywood and all that stuff. Supposedly, mm-hmm. I know, I guess there's a lot a lot of challenges with how much control they really have and what they get to do and how creative they get to be on certain projects. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this will allow them to create something that, that uh, they wouldn't ordinarily create it, you know? I mean, these are just the arguments for it and all that stuff. Yeah. I guess for me, I'm like, I just like to know that there's some validation because I know the first Kickstarter campaign we did with Where the Yellowstone Goes, it was so hard. We didn't think we were going to meet our goal. And you just, like, you get to this point where you're, like, you're talking on your Facebook three or four times a day about it, and you're just waiting to see if you're going to get any likes. It's just so hard. It's such yeah. a hard thing to go through. And so we, you know, we try to find alternative ways to get some media or some other attention for it. And it's, it's you have found an alternative way, this my is friend. It. <laughs> you guys, as alternative, you guys are going to top it off. Right? <laughs> yes, we're open. Hey. You found it. Oh man. But it's a cool. Th- I think it's a great thing for anybody. Really, that is has a, a good idea, a creative idea that doesn't have to be just you know creative things. People are inventing products and and um, you know doing uh, all kinds of events, city events, different you know you know anything that you can think of that needs to come together, but needs a little funding in a, in a you know in a way that many people can give a little bit to to make the difference. And if you have some sort of connections or a great idea that has a niche then, you know, you can take off and, and raise some money fairly quickly if you put it together right. Cool. Well, I also think it's a brilliant um, idea. I'm just thinking of the Veronica Mars example in particular, is there are people that were obsessed with that show that were probably saying to themselves, maybe not out loud, but were internalizing, like, I would pay $100 for these people to make a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And that just used to be a thing that you would say, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, like when yeah. Freaks and Geeks got canceled. Somebody said the same exact thing about that show, right? Mm-hmm. But now there's an actual place. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. That's where you can do it. That's right. Like, no, I'll, I will give that much money to make one of my own personal, I don't know if, it, if dream is the right word, but, you know, in some sort of weird, diluted way, to make my dream come true to see some of these things happen. It's kind of a funny thing to see come to life where you never thought it would, you know? Yeah, it's pretty democratic when you think about it, you know, this process of all of us getting to vote with a little bit of money. And I like to think of us as kind of the new form of PBS. I mean, yeah, I wish that a lot of things would happen that way. I wish you could do voting on public stadiums because I think oh, it's a yeah. really, really similar concept, too, because it shouldn't be like one person, one vote, because there's some people who honestly would probably be like, I love the Vikings more than anything. I will give so many, you know, whatever dollars to keep them here. It's sort of a similar concept, too, that you could do with those sort of things. But I don't know if they'll ever... It, we'll probably won't ever get to there, but I don't know. I like the idea of it. Yeah. I like you, Brandon. <laughs> oh, start. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Please, start. Should we do the fantasy football section? Yeah, now? let's do the fantasy football Alrighty. section. So I have two quick... I have one quick question before we get there. Oh, All right. Let's, we'll, we'll keep the filmmaking section going for just a <laughs> okay. second. Yeah, Hunter, I just had a question... Um, what are your favorite documentaries that you've seen? Huh. Good question. I, this is always a tough one for me because I'm kind of trying to watch a lot of like stuff here and there, um, and and uh, not always doing the best job remembering like what my favorites are per se. Like I definitely go back to um, a film like Supersize Me, and that's a favorite just because it was that time and place where things shifted and it really inspired me in that moment to realize that, you know, I can go out and sort of not role play the way that Morgan Spurlock has, you know, and gone out he's cause he's now done his shtick and now he's on CNN, you know, and he continues to do a very similar formatted show out there, you know, but it's, right. it's like, I think the style and approach that he's taken, uh, to get out there, um, has definitely, um, definitely been something, that, uh, that I followed along with. So, um, it felt like for a long time, documentaries, a lot of the m- bigger ones, more important ones, the ones that got the most press were about, you know, crimes or these really serious, like uh, paradise lost a, or something like that. Yeah. Or? And he took a much light heart, much more lighthearted approach to something like that, which, you know, it could be more for entertainment than for like, doesn't need to be just shown in a classroom at all times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's other stuff out there. Um, that that I'm digging, but I try not to. I don't know. I try not to play favorites too much. I try to just kind of take. A, I try not to think too much about other other people's work when I'm creating my stuff because it just. I think it kind of, you know, ru- kind of ruins the the creative process. I know a lot of people study other work pretty significantly, you know, to to try to try to see stuff. But like you know, like a film yeah. like 180 South, I'll get into like while when I'm making a film like uh, you know. Uh, where, where the Yellowstone goes, I'll kind of look at the other films that are similar in that genre and, and see what they've done, and you know, I get turned on like by that kind of that kind of film, you know, at the time. But then it sort of fades and changes as I go forward, you know. Do something. Your there. level of um, respect and restraint is unwelcome on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right on. You need to just start ripping into Michael Moore or something. All these, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do hate the Michael Moore stuff because every time I go out there and yeah. I start shooting, people are like. Are you another? Are you Mike Michael Moore? You know, like it's just like he's kind of ruined it for so many documentary <laughs> filmmakers. And it's I'm actually doing a pretty serious topic film right now on the East Coast on the Potomac River, which is because of the success of where the Yellowstone goes, mm-hmm. and that's been 
a totally different type of style of story because I'm dealing with clean water and what that means. And so it's like I'm out there talking to these people, and of course, you know, in D.C. they're very protective. Like there's so much <laughs> power out there. It's like oh, yeah, you know sure. nobody wants to say anything, and of course everybody's doing something huge supposedly. But um, so that's been a tough one. Like I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan of his films. Um, I do, you know, there's some stuff he's done that's cool, like early on that I was, I was digging, but you know, I just, well, it seems like all he does now is he just like goes up and finds random celebrities to yell at for like no reason whatsoever. Yeah. There's one movie where he all of a sudden just tracked down Dick Clark. Hey yeah. Dick, what do you think about this? And they're like, what the fuck are you? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just insane to me. Like who are, how are you picking these guys out? And just Charlton Heston. I mean, I understand why he picked out Charlton Heston, but it was kind of insane the way he like. Well, I believe at the time he's anecdotal he, evidence. Like, Heston was a little, his, almost senile at the point, so yeah. it's you know <laughs> yeah. not a fair fight necessarily either. Yeah, yeah. And what if Heston like had a bunch of good arguments? That's still just one person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Whatever. Sorry. <laughs> Take that documentary filmmaking. Take that. Then, there, then there's all these like you know with like Netflix now you have like these obscure little films that pop up out of nowhere and everybody watches them like Jiro Dreams of Sushi you know that mm-hmm. was one that, that played pretty recently and like I yep. didn't expect that I would like it that much but I have been to Japan before so I was excited to kind of reconnect with that and it turned out to be a, a really neat story you know great film great documentary I so. think the um, I think I don't know how to pronounce his last name but is it Andrew Jarecki or he did Capturing the Freedmen's and the house oh, yeah, I live in Mm-hmm. He's really, really, really impressive filmmaker. That's some good He's stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's part of the problem is there's so much out there. So, like, after a while, like, you even forget, like, I forgot about capturing the Freedmen's, you know? Like, it's just you, your head's yeah. kind of filling with all the new stuff and moving on, and which is a good thing. I mean, that's what, that's what content is. But the nice thing I out. think about today, uh, my point of view, is the long tail is making it that whatever you have an interest in, there are either is or will be a great documentary to to fill that so and you'll be able to find it really really easily well that's good exactly and here's a perfect example of a long tail like on the way here i was like i was trying to remember who's in um 10 yards fantasy football Mm -hmm. and i was like i know we interviewed some people up here in minnesota you know and i was like it just was pulling a blank and so i looked and and chester taylor was there so i decided to google see what chester taylor's doing and uh, when you Google Chester Taylor, it you know Google brings that little like um, little square up now that gives you quick facts about whoever yep. or whatever, and it says a couple things about him like how much he made in 2011, and then it says movies, ten yards, fantasy football. <laughs> I was like, holy crap! Like, nice. That's a perfect example of long tail because yep. somebody probably yeah. will stumble upon that maybe and check that movie out. Doesn't so, mention the 80 like he set the Minnesota Vikings like. A record for the longest touchdown run, I believe, against that's Seattle. Right. I mean, uh, I think Peterson. Now that's a long it. tail fact. That is a long tail fact. <laughs> that, that would be the thing that I remember about him. Say he had like a ninety-five yard touchdown and run. What number did Chester Taylor wear? Twenty-eight. Uh, Twenty-eight. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's Adrian Peterson. So proud number. of you guys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is totally Adrian Peterson's number. We're completely wrong. But Chay that's okay. C Taylor. I think it was twenty-nine. That's my guess. Yeah, that is. That's right. Yes. Wow. Look at that. Good job, Brandon. Brandon, do you have another question? Or are we segueing to um, football? Is that our segue? No, no pun intended. I was actually going to ask about what the most um, what the most difficult and annoying part of documentary filmmaking is, but my sense is it's got to be the fundraising part. I think you kind of answered that, right? Like that's kind yeah. of a like yeah, because no coming up with the ideas thing. is fun, and you know, ultimately making the film is one of the best parts and and all that. But yeah, it's tough. Like when you really get to the point where you're like we need money, 
and then building the audience is tough i mean that's but that's so important and that's where a lot of filmmakers miss is you've got to figure out how to how to go out there and market your own products and kind of set them up for success and hopefully get some you know distribution partners to help make it bigger go, for you but go show the films at universities mm-hmm. and you know east the streets east armpit tech in akron ohio I'll get three <laughs> people there but maybe one of them you know like oh that's, that's really right. good and i've got a checkbook isn't so. east armpit tech in canby minnesota Canby, uh, that's tracy <laughs> so sorry tracy but you've earned it <laughs> sorry to our canby listeners oh, yeah man. so okay i'm done now all right okay uh, 10 yards 10 okay. yards this is Walk us through the the impetus for the film and how this how the film ended up. All right, so this is my second film. So when Ten Miles Per Hour finally got done, and we just figured we were done. I mean, that was it because it was yep. such a hard process to get through. But it started to actually get some attention. So my buddy that I told you about, who came up with the idea of the segue thing, we call him J. Fred in the films. His name's John. We can call him up if you guys want, if we have that ability. Because he, I told him we might. Try to give him a we call. We may right. have that ability, but Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> given the way this podcast goes, we, there may be a fire if we try. Well, I'll so. give everybody his phone number and you can call him. All right, that'd him. be perfect. <laughs> yeah, please. So he said, so we started talking and we're like, wow, this guy's he's so funny. He just comes up with these oddball, off-the-wall ideas. And so we are we're college buddies. And so right after we finished college, he got the idea to start a fantasy football league. And so a bunch of us have basically stayed in touch through this league mm-hmm. over the years. And... He does these odd things with the league. It's not like a typical league. And and so Josh and I, uh, the guy that made the 10 miles per hour movie with, decided we should try to make something on fantasy football because it felt like it was getting really big. Yep. You know, this was, I think we started filming in 2007, two, you know, 2007, 2008. So it was definitely taken off this big by that time, with the, especially with the internet, I think yep. really brought it, brought it out. And so we went out there and, and started filming this story and used our league as sort of the centerpiece to it, which may or may not have been the ultimate mistake with it. it. depends on what you think. I mean, people still like to film and and rent it and buy it every once in a while, but it's been an interesting process to see that movie come out and not do nearly as well as we thought it was going to do. It was also a very hard time in, in Josh's life, I think, just for us as filmmaking partners. And he was, you know, decided he wanted to kind of focus on getting life and getting getting you know married afterwards and so all of that kind of stuff was like hitting when the film was releasing and that was uh that made it that made it a tough launch but the film itself was a fun experience and journey for us and we we, you know we had a good time and and put this thing together and got it out there and and it does seem to have some legs you know it's been it's kind of been interesting but i always kind of look at it as my i guess sophomore the black sheep yeah the black sheep yeah but I love the fact that people still love it, and they'll write me about it every once in a while. I'm like, damn, that's cool, because people get it. You know, like, they get why we play fantasy football. And a lot of people don't get that. Is know, this league still know. going? So the league's still going. What's it called? It's it has ca- it has a it, very strange name, if I'm correct. In the film, it's called the Intergalactic <laughs> Championship League. And this yep. year, uh, I think he named it the $25.82 um <laughs> Super Bowl championship <laughs> leaguers. I don't know. See, he comes up with these corny names. Yep. I'll, I'll try to look that up. But um, um, what happens every year is, is the commissioner, John, and Jay Fred's always been the commissioner. He retires, but then something prompts him to come back the following year, and we play again. So, And then when he retires, we decide to throw a party. So our parties don't happen on the draft party. We all live in different places around the U.S., and sometimes we have a guy that's traveling around the world, but we all try to come together during the party to wish wish our commissioner well, and it's just an excuse <laughs> during the football season to 
to goof off and have fun and 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 throughout the film we we actually visited with a lot of different fantasy leagues fantasy players uh, football players too and just kind of tried to figure out what's going on with fantasy football and get a you know get a general sense of it all and um but we keep coming back and doing these funny interstitials with Jay Fred and he dresses up and does really just completely dorky stuff probably over the top but uh, I still think he's a genius inside, and I know, <laughs> like I, I think someday in our lives, lives we're gonna, he, you know, do something together, and he'll, he'll write it, he'll, he'll have that genius idea, and I'll just help kind of, hopefully bring it out. We always talk about like these crazy, crazy film ideas, but so any of the, any of you that are just sort of out there, you know, if you're into that kind of crazy stuff and you watch this film and you'll get some fantasy football facts and knowledge but you got to put up with like a little bit of the clown factor too <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to the sport yeah, and you're, that's, football that's and a hurdle you've already factor. jumped <laughs> yeah, that's right. it's right up our yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right so, it's good we uh, to give you some, an example earlier today i put out on twitter about how we were going to talk fantasy football mm-hmm. and we should get some fantasy football questions, and they're all terrible, and I couldn't be prouder of the people. No, who I was hoping there wouldn't be anyone asking for actual information. Yep. Um, yeah. Andrew Brisgornia, fellow Twinkie yes. Town writer with me and Stu, he wants to know if he should take Nate Kading in the first round. <laughs> I believe he's been cut and his knee fell off, <laughs> and he's a kicker. What's so. funny is Jay Fred. Is that would, that little Jay Fred would say yes. from the oh. uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was a little, uh, looked like Radar O'Reilly from the, uh, the MASH <laughs> movie, like a tiny little, just blonde. I think I straight out O'Reilly wasn't blonde. I think a nebbish is the word I'm looking for, but he did not look like a pro football player. But yeah, he's yeah, I believe his, his leg fell off and he is not kicking anymore. I always draft a kicker first. I, I mean, it's isn't that just to get that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. In an please somewhere in, a, in an yeah. auction league and not a that way you can. I know. Don't don't just just say it, say it's an auction league. Every league say has, auction league. Every league has one okay. of those guys in an auction league. It was like yeah, we first had a, round. It's like oh, Pittsburgh defense yes. for three. Right. We have a everyone um, wants to beat with you a, my my uh, lawyer and bartending friends were in a league, and uh, one of the guys he was only in it for a couple of years, but he was just amazing. He it's a hundred dollar cap, and he like opened the bid in with twelve bucks on Mike Vanderjagd. Oh no! <laughs> so, and the crickets after he put that bit out was just oh, so sad. stunning and uh, glorious. So yeah, he he got Mike Vanderjagd for twelve dollars. I would imagine. And I think his quarterback wow. that year was like Elvis Gerbach. Oh, so, Three years after Elvis Three years after, after he retired, but you know what are you gonna do? So, um, David Zeller at Texas. When, um, do you remember the story about Elvis Gerbach when he was on the People's Sexiest? He sexiest was on People. Really. Elvis Gerbach. Oh, that's right. He so was. The story is, uh, it was supposed to be Rich Gannon, who yeah. is the quarterback of the Chiefs. So the Sports yeah. Illustrated person went to interview the quarterback for the Chiefs, but mm-hmm. Gannon wasn't there that day or whatever. So they just found Gerbach and thought he was supposed to be the guy. <laughs> and they actually interviewed him, and they felt so bad they put him in the actual magazine. He's still in. Aww, Google it. I swear to God, that's a true story. Wow. That's amazing. That is, man. Elvis Gerbach, not a handsome man, I don't think. Gannon no, was strikingly handsome. Ugly. Did you know that Gannon is my twin sister's uh, first name? Yes, I did. I, well, I knew that. I, I don't know that Brandon John knew that. Because of Rich Gannon? That's right. <laughs> no, no. God, no. That would be really weird. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> my my dad called Rich Gannon Steve Gannon for years. Because of the, the CCO. Yeah. Nice. He still might. He's probably never hmm. know. Uh, David Zeller at Texas Zeller wants to know whether Barry Sanders or Gareth Bale would be a better deep sleeper in this league. <laughs> Gareth Bale's uh, he plays the he kick plays game, right? He plays the soccer. Is he a Premier League guy? He is. Wow, for who? Uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, the Hotspurs. 
Uh, oh, famous now thanks to the Ted Lasso video. Yes, yes. And NBC brought out that everybody in the world saw. Nice. Uh, my brother at Dave Marth wants to know if we think long snappers should be allowed to vote. No. <laughs> I think no. no they, they shouldn't be allowed to breathe personally. <laughs> Former sponsor. Paid, right? Well, current sponsor yeah. at Artificial Chaos. Oh, hey, Brad. Uh, he his question is: What is fantasy football? Are there wizards? Yes. And yeah, Adrian Peterson was a wizard last year. <laughs> he achieved wizard status. Awesome. Um, it's cheap. Mm-hmm. At Savage Ravine wants to know. Hey, Justin. <laughs> he wants to know which three NFL teams should have been relegated and which three NCAA teams <laughs> should have been promoted. Jacksonville three times. Yep. Uh-huh. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, and Jacksonville, and then we'll promote Alabama and Oregon and I don't know. Probably Ohio State. USC because they pay guys anyway. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, Wasn't Ohio State on some sort of probation last year? Yeah, they, they were. were unbelievable. They were eleven and one. They had uh, Braxton Miller, but yeah, they're yeah, they're off of, they're off probation this year, so they're probably going to be re- the one really good Big Ten team. They oh, that's right great! In. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only fairly serious question we got was we had a serious question. Well, kind of serious. Okay, it was from at Human Touch. Um, he he wanted to know how, since Clarence wasn't here, he wanted to know how high Ponder's ceiling was, given that they've got a. Pro Bowl wide receiver and a Rookie of the Year candidate wide receiver and another year in the system. But I think Clarence already answered that by jumping in and saying, how high is his ceiling? You're high if you think he has a ceiling. (laughs) So that probably answers that. Yeah. So I I could be prouder of all of our listeners for not taking that seriously. Thank you. I don't know what it would be like to be like Aaron Gleeman and John Bonus and get actual questions every week. Yeah, that would be tough. That would be tough. That's why why Aaron comes on here and doesn't talk about baseball at all. So. There's so much information around fantasy football. It's, kind it's of insane. Yeah. There was a time about probably eight or nine years ago when if you did a reasonable amount of research, you could actually find guys. But yeah. the the information asymmetry is over at this point. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has the same amount of yep. incredible yep. amount of information. Everyone has an internet connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I Google. don't think so, though. I still think that most guys are like uh, dumbasses and drafting just on feel. At least my friends. Maybe they're just bigger dumbasses than everybody. But there's a lot of guys who just basically are looking backwards rather than forwards. And I think there's a reason, at least in my league, some guys finish in the bottom every single year and some guys finish in the top every single year, no matter what. Yeah, I'd say you that's guys the same, see that? same with ours. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's part of it, too. If you're kind of forward thinking, then it's like those first first three or four weeks where there's some injuries and things like that and you're quick to pick yep. up, you know, whatever. Yep. yep. The Kurt Warner factor. That's yeah. the, if you pick up Kurt Warner after uh, Trent Green gets hurt in the first week and then Kurt Warner goes crazy, then you probably won your league that year. Yeah. Have any of you guys ever done a keeper league before? Yep. I am in a do keeper you league. Do keeper leagues now? Yes. What's the strategy on there? Because my league, my for pride with friends league mm-hmm. that's been going for ten years or whatever, is doing keepers for the first time this year. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts. We about get, about get uh, your try to get a rookie or a second year guy. So, um, if you're in a no, salary really cap, the really yeah. good rookies. Those are the best. Like I got um, best one I did in one league. I got uh, Frank Gore for like a dollar in the first year because he wasn't even I don't believe he was San Francisco as Garrison Hurst was still starting actually then but I had him I kept him socked away didn't cut him and I had him for a really cheap salary for like seven years but I get I get the feeling from these guys that all of these rookies are now going to be overvalued yes because that's that's what happens too like uh, when Chris Johnson came out everyone like went crazy trying to draft Chris Johnson and like his salary was like greater than like you know a starting running back from that year like a really good veteran I think maybe like a Sean Alexander at the time so, yeah, you you want to get 
a rookie, but you also want to maybe do a little more digging, like a Stephen Burton for the Vikings or something like that. You think maybe he's going to be like there. How about Zach trip. Line for the Vikings? Zach Line, the big He's guy. probably a good pickup, right? No, probably not. No, Is that but a someone real will person? take. Uh, yeah, he scored the t- the one touchdown in the uh, Vikings preseason game. And like it turns out he has preseason game. Yeah, he it's, he had a, like a sixty five yard uh, touchdown, like a was it like a dump off or was it like a design screen or something? I don't know what and it was. I'm pretty sure I'm every Viking story in the paper has been about Zach Line for yeah. a week now. Yeah, just he'll be, because he, there's he will no be, actual he, yeah, content. He'll be cut to for the record, but he's wasn't there a guy last year in one of the preseason games who had like three or four interceptions? Audi call. That was Audie Cole, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. He had two, like, two, interceptions, two, two interceptions yeah. returned for a touchdown, yeah. And he's on and the team. Where is he now? He is on the team. Oh, I think he he's gonna ma- I think he's like a special teams guy. But I think he is going to make the team because his name is Audie Cole, which is a linebacker right? name. He's got yeah. the name. He's oh, yeah. it's Audie spelled. A-U-D-I-E. That so. is a great name. You know what else is a great name? The Gophers are recruiting a guy named Rakeem Buckles. Ooh. Wow. Classic. Yeah, you got you got to get him. Only the way if it was Rakeem Gash. That's the only way that would be better. But sure, Buckles is really he, good. He did just one up me. Yeah, I always do. Rakeem Buckles. Rakeem Buckles. Is his name actually spelled Buckles? Yeah. B u c k l e s. Good for him. Yep. Hey, that's awesome. You, you can't not be a success in life with a name like Rakeem Buckles. You really cannot. Big things are going to happen. Yeah, you. you're going to be good, especially if all so, hitting something. Let me ask about this keeper league. It seems to me, just anecdotally, that. Um, Wide receivers take a couple years to break out mm-hmm. uh, more often than running backs do. So to, would it make more sense to gamble on a receiver? Because it usually seems like it takes them a couple, a couple two, three years. You'll be able to get one or two out. for like a dollar or two, yeah. So, I think that the, my problem with Keeper League is that it makes the draft not that much fun. And the draft is the greatest ever. Actually, I think that's actually I, I enjoy the keeper league a lot because it you know you actually have to do some research and maybe take a flyer or two or a risk that you wouldn't otherwise do, and you know it makes it a little more challenging. But if you're paying attention and you hit right, then you've got a really good player locked up for a fair amount of time until he blows his knee out in you know the second or third season, and then or he dies. Wastes, or dies, or, uh, yes, or kills his girlfriend, or kills his girlfriend, yes. So. But don't you so only keep like a certain certain amount of players? When yeah, yeah, I think the rules are going to be that you can only keep two or something. We, like yeah, that. in the two that I'm in that are keeper leagues, one we keep four and one it's unlimited. But if you do unlimited, then you have only X amount of money left to draft with in the following season. So sure. okay. we have a salary cap, and like if you like have him for sixteen this year, it goes up by fifty percent the next year. So it's like twenty four bucks to keep him. Hmm. So something like that. I think another way you can outsmart people is if you don't. We don't have any in my league. Uh, we don't have any limits on how many waiver pickup whatever you do. Um, so I pick up a new kicker and a new defense every single week. Um, Pretty much, yeah. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Always draft a dome kicker. That's uh, that's eight. You know, eight games where there's weather is not in play. Right. Because you don't want to go into like a playoff game in December with an outdoor kicker. It's just you know. Get get the New Orleans kicker. That's or the Vikings kicker. Or obviously the Vikings kicker is a hell of a pick. Yeah, Blair Walsh yeah. is going to go over way too much money. He will. He will. He will not be. Yeah, he will get picked overspent on by somebody this year, and he'll probably he'll probably fall off this year a little bit too because he's not going to get 10 50 yard field goals in a row. Yeah, he will. Yeah, that's how dare you regre- say that? There is going to be regression. Sorry, regression. 
So I should take Blair Washington in the first round. Then. Don't yeah, take probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty quickly. I'm on board. Okay. Okay. Unless Vander Jacked is available, then yeah. you oh, take him. The obviously. idiot Canadian kicker. Yeah. yeah that guy. Is Vander Jack still around? Or no, he, he was. He was in the Arena League for a while after. I think he might have kicked for the Fighting Pike. But the question, <laughs> the question <laughs> really is: Is he in prison? That's a very, um, you know, it's possible. Pro- you play I mean, football, you never know. Yeah, probably insurance fraud. That's what kickers tend to get into. That's, actually, that's what Rick Fenny got into, although he wasn't a kicker. But. I thought it wasn't. I thought it was security. No, fraud. securities fraud. Not, not. Yeah, sorry. Securities we talk about fraud. Rick Fenny a lot on this. We podcast. do. He's <laughs> no. Once a week. He, he was the most popular Viking for about six months in the mid '80s. So. I, I I recall those days fondly. Yes, he was like he was the Kenterbeck of the Vikings. Yeah, he, he was he was in between back. that like you know between Ted Brown and Darren Nelson. He was yep. like the Great White Hope, literally the Great White Hope. Hmm. But it's kind of surprising that well, I guess it's not surprising because Adrian Peterson is involved. But yeah. Toby Gerhardt seems like he's right up right up the alley of being a possible folk hero. Yeah, except for everybody kind of hates him because he, he's not you know, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, you know he's going to end up in Green Bay, and they're going to love him in Green yeah. Bay. He would Just, also fit well in New England. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you get where me and John Basically are going, we're saying that, that they're racist. Yeah, we're the racists will embrace Toby Gerhard. Is what we're He'll saying. Well loved in yes. all of those places. So this inter- let's go back to the intergalactic championship league. You said they have the commissioner comes up with weird rules every year. Give oh, me yeah. an example of what the weird rules are like. So, so like you have to start all kickers one week, or no, not not quite like that. I mean, it's pretty conventional in the sense of how you set up your team. I mean, every once in a while, he might have. Um, well, he'll just like he'll introduce a new thing, like a one random defense player. Now we're actually doing more defense players, but um, he does like weird point schemes. So he'll have like some obscure like punt block point thing, where if you get a pump pump block, it's something like negative five points. Like it's just this <laughs> random point, and it it in, in, you know inevitably it'll screw up somebody yep. at least once or twice throughout the season, and uh, sometimes it messes up the results. So it kind of makes everybody take the league a little less seriously, which is the downside of it, but it's kind of funny too. And it comes out in the film. When we were shooting, I, I, I had one of those incredible, like just magical moments in the in the, um, in the the championships. Actually, it wasn't the championship, but it was the playoffs mm-hmm. leading up. And my team somehow was beating all the odds, and I had one of those Drew Brees five touchdown nights that like ended up beating my opponent. But I didn't know it until the morning that I woke up because of this stupid rule, and it wasn't one of those rules that they kept track of it very closely. You know, it got kind of caught up later in the morning, and so you know these weird, bizarre rules that kind of screw everybody in the, in the end, but also help somebody somehow. So it, it just kind of mixes it all up. I would love if specific plays had super point values like a flea flicker touchdown oh, yeah. is 43 points. <laughs> or <laughs> a double reverse pass is 31 points. Somebody's got to be developing that, don't you think? Or if yeah. there you have a rushing play that loses more than 25 right. yards, <laughs> right. you get extra bonus points. Yeah. Just something like that. Yeah. That There's got to be a fantasy league out there that has gone this in, in depth that is rating specific plays mm-hmm. and assigning point values. And if you're out there, I'd love to be a part of your league. One of the guys that you're we... somehow dorkier than us. Yeah. yeah. We, wow. we met a guy in Seattle when we were filming that was designed his own league, and he was a software developer. And so it was pretty... You know, it's pretty intense. I mean, he put in weather factors. They put in a whole bunch of stuff. Weather factors. You know, and it would kind of dis- help give a little edge on the game or whatever, you know, in terms of how they set up... Um, you know, set up their structure, but it was like he they th- they put a lot of thought into designing it. I wouldn't be surprised if they had 
something like that level at some point. So, so is it like every team had a hometown and whatever yep. the weather that day in that town was would affect the game? Exactly, yeah. You that had to pick your, awesome. your hometown. Yeah, it was neat. I like <laughs> the idea. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, that's some stratomatic stuff right yeah, there. Yeah. So I like it. Yeah. Um, did anybody actually do any fantasy football research coming into this podcast? Nope. I, I didn't. Ta- Hunter, I talked about no. that on the way down here. Yeah, I, I was busy at work. and I assume Adrian Peterson is far and away the number one pick at this point. Oh yeah, uh, you think? I'm yeah. not. I wouldn't take him number one. Why? Who would you take number one? Yeah, I have no idea. I just <laughs> My wife requests not drafting Aaron Hernandez. I think that's a fair thing. I Somebody think. will. Somebody I'll will draft. Him. I think his stats will probably be fairly low this year. Yeah. <laughs> I played fantasy baseball one time, and my uncle took Rob Deere the year that he was playing in Japan and never dropped him. <laughs> As an absolute 100 percent true story. My my brother is in a fantasy league. <laughs> A, a baseball fantasy league that's very involved and involve, involves signing guys to contracts and stuff Jesus. like that, like four-year contracts and mm. stuff. Oh. And they have a rule called the debtor in Japan rule that says you can't get out of a contract unless they're dead or playing in Japan. Wow. And I think it's come like up it. that guys have gone to Korea to play, and you can't get out of that contract. Really? Not Korea, <laughs> Korea is a gray area? Oh my gosh. Wow. There's a lot of gray areas. And I just I love the name of that rule, <laughs> the debtor in Japan rule. So... If only your uncle had that for Rob Deere. I would... No, you're right. But I definitely would not be taking Peterson first. Why? I just feel like he's going to regress for sure. Yeah, but how much of that is just Minnesota fatalism? I don't think any of it is Minnesota fatalism. I think it's... Some of it's scoring system, too. Quarterbacks are so valuable and... You know, the thing is, also with quarterbacks, you can get like a Tony Romo or a Matthew Stafford who isn't in that top tier, but ends up getting thirty-five, forty touchdowns just because yeah. they're behind all the time and they pass like crazy. So, I mean, you can get them for a lot cheaper than say a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. But if I if I had a first, uh, if I had the first pick, I would probably take Aaron Rodgers. Really? Yeah. He's insanely good. With no good. wide receivers, well, their entire so? offensive line is hurt, or playing a different position than last year. Yeah, I, again, I... The author of the increasingly lost season... I would probably take Aaron Rodgers. The increasingly lost fantasy season involves They have a tubby running back, is what they have. So he's going to have to pass. I mean, I, I would take Aaron Rodgers first, and Adrian Peterson probably second or third. My, uh, one of the rankings that I use, and I can't tell you about it, it's top secret, has Doug Martin going second. Doug Martin? That is Doug Of the Tampa Martin. Bay Buccaneers? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Just I, I, I don't know if I could take a guy named Doug on principle. Yeah. No, I've, I've always been secretly convinced that Doug Martin plays third base for the Blue Jays. <laughs> he's actually a football yeah. player at all. And he's a people too, theory. and he doesn't even play against right-handers. Yeah. So, wow, that's well. I, yeah, that's I'll have to, when I when I start breaking down the film, I'll I'll see where Doug Martin lands, and I'll I'll let you know if you're right. How much research do you guys actually Aaron do? Rogers at 21. Wow, we used to do a ton. Do you guys? I mean, do you I, do like I'll, I'll, an enormous amount, or is it like print, not, print out I, a cheat sheet? I will print out. I'll, I'll do a little look in. I'm like, I'm, first of all, you make sure that you know you got all the ACL blower outers, you know, crossed yeah. off your list, which you is wait a fair as long as you can to print out the cheat sheet. Yeah, exactly. Don't print it out until the day before, just because Jeremy Macklin's probably still on some right now. So and Riley Cooper, might and Riley know. Cooper, you never know. Riley race Cooper, race it might be in trouble. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I I do some research, but I mean, I don't I don't like you know pour over stats or anything like that, or create my own spreadsheet, which I know I know of people who do that who will mm-hmm. create their own, you know. Well, if this is here, do that. If that's there, then do this. I just I can't. That's just too much. So it's a bridge I too think- far. 
one of my keys to life, one of my many, is trust the experts. I don't know why you would ever do your own research on this sort of stuff, right? Just like find mm-hmm. the guy who does the best and mm-hmm. draft what he says to draft. It's like why would that you do your own four hundred one k research when you've got a financial yeah. planner? Yeah. Call that guy. Yeah, that's what his job is. So it's just yeah, I, I I I tend to go by like you know like the Espens and you know whomever is out there charging and those guys they seem to know what they're doing. So right. that's that's what I do. So how is Paul Turchin involved in ten yards? Towards the end, we came up to Minneapolis and shot a little segment up here, and, and he was running fanball.com at the time. At the time, yeah. And so I think, I don't remember how we, we got in touch with him through Craig Pladson, who was working there, um, who now works for an agency in town called Collie McVoy. And, uh, you know, he said, yeah, come on by, you know, you guys can film and, and you know, meet Paul Charchi, and I didn't, I didn't know the who he Paul was. Charchi. Paul Charchi, yeah. yeah, and he was funny. And he and Jay Fred sat down and had this funny little conversation. You know, it was really cool, and we've actually kept in touch since really? then, and I love that with films when you actually do keep in touch with some of the, some of the people you meet, you know, because it's just kind of cool, you know, so it's been fun. Yeah. He's, he's, He's a good guy. Cool. So, so do you have a list of other, like, sort of dream subjects that you want to tackle someday, or do you just kind of let it come to you when you've got some open time? And Yeah, let it, I, a lot of time, times it just comes through people that I'm meeting out there, and we talk, and, you know, an idea is sparked. But, I mean, I have ideas. I think I'd like to try to do something on the narrative side. Um, but that scares me too, mainly because financially it seems very expensive to pull a narrative off. Mm-hmm. But it used to used to be, and it still is. But you know, the idea of like working with people and trying to direct people, mm-hmm. you know, like I need you to do this, you know, or whatever, like <laughs> trying to pull yeah. that out and get this natural feeling, natural looking shot type of you know experience. When I shoot a documentary, I just like it's all, I'm constantly on. I got a camera I could be shooting right now. I'm just you know I just shoot as much as I possibly can and then hack it together in the end and make something special. So, so the narrative fictional thing would be fun to, to tackle. And I've got a few ideas for that. Um, I'm actually working on a project on the West coast right now, um, with a possible TV show. So we'll see if it, if it comes together, it'd be biking related. Um, again, the success of ride the divide mm-hmm. has kind of helped these people find me, which is really cool. But it's also one of those things where, you get used to a lot of cool ideas popping up here and there, and many of them don't pan out. So I don't get too, you know, overly excited now when some ideas come together. But if this idea did happen, like it could, it could be what kind of helps me, you know, do more more uh, fictional stuff and and maybe even some stuff that actually pays some money. So that'd be pretty cool. So just like this podcast, yeah, exactly. How much am I getting? Yeah, paid? I feel like <laughs> you can have the whole sponsorship budget if you want it. We'll just throw yeah. it on Kickstarter. <laughs> You should uh, you should do a documentary about us. This is a really important oh, yeah. thing. That Wait, we're doing. that's the worst possible, possible idea. Yeah. Let me start shooting it right now. Actually, Artificial Chaos is already called dibs on doing I'm, the documentary. I'm filming the documentary. <laughs> yeah. So, so we've got a development deal in place. We already have now. a development deal. See, that's so. huge, man. You guys sure. are on your way. <laughs> and he is our biggest donor, I think. So <laughs> we'd have to go back to the list, but yeah. it's not hard to be our biggest donor. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, um. So as as you've gotten involved in this bike culture thing, were you a biker before Ride the Divide? Not really. I mean, I have you I had a mountain bike, yeah. and I'd gone out a few times here and there. I've never done anything major, like you know. And I and I like the kind of the mantra of the salsa crew because they just kind of go out cruise and have fun, and they're not like all about being the best hardcore biker. But um, 
but yeah, I, I have a bike now, and, and my wife Sarah has a bike, and we've been, you know, trying. We live in Bozeman, so we're trying to get into it. But um, I'm not a regular cyclist, and mm-hmm. I always feel a little weird because I have a lot of cyclists that will fan me on Facebook and things like that. And 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 I I like the culture though. Like there's part of it that I'm like, yeah, and I need to just do it more. But I'm just not, you know, haven't totally gotten into it. But the thing when we shot Reveal the Path and we rode around the world i mean we were bikepacking we had very minimal stuff with us and that was really fun to like just get out there in the elements and just camp wherever you could just pull your bike over and you could go amazing places so it's something i'm trying to i'm trying to do more for sure and it does help keep you in shape you know which is like definitely good and it's easy it's easy when you're doing these films to be sitting around too much and not you know not getting out there as much as you should be if you had to choose between (laughs) riding a segway across america again or riding a bike across america Oh man, tough question. Uh, no, I, I was actually, you know, we started talking, alluding to this earlier. I was actually kind of embarrassed by the whole Segway thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like always struggling with like, oh my god, I don't want to become the Segway guy. Of course, I'd have friends that would always call me this oh, Segway guy, or they'd see something about Segway and they'd send it to me, and I'm like, oh great, now everybody's always thinking of <laughs> me and Segway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I do. I, cycling is. I mean, I would love to to do something with riding across the country. I may. There's a chance I'll be working on a project that you know involves going across the country on bike. But I won't be riding. Probably I'll be shooting and stuff. So, you know, someday it'd be fun to to do some more cycling. So I would definitely do that for sure. That was the only sports topic I could think yeah. of related yeah. to ride the divide. The riding, yeah. Riding divide. Well, um, I. Where can we find? Where can we? Give money to Walter if we want to. Is there a pithy web address, or should we just put yeah, a go, link on the page? Well, go check WalterTheMovie.com. WalterTheMovie.com. That'll keep you up to date on what's going on with film. If you can, you have a couple bucks and you want to bid on our Kickstarter campaign, that's great. Um, there's ways to get the, you know, the DVD on our Kickstarter campaign. Um, and if you know, if you're not, if you can't, that's cool. Just keep up with it. You know, join our Facebook page. You can get to it from WalterTheMovie.com, and uh, you know, you'll see where it goes. Eventually, it will get out onto Netflix. I'm sure. You know. And, on those and maybe on TV somewhere. So we actually had, we had an interesting request, TV request uh, from the B- BYU TV. Oh, channel. I get the BYU TV BY- channel. Yeah, do you get that? I have no idea what it's about. Is it all about BYU or is it just like uh, a new? Is it like the, the Mormon Church? Maybe. Uh, yeah, it's a new one to me. I think that there it comes out of you know BYU, so they do a lot of Brigham Young kind of stuff. Um, but it's part, you know. I mean, the power of positive thinking ultimately with re- religion. I mean, this film has a very positive message to it. So, is it was kind of you know it's kind of neat to see that happen. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't kn- you don't know where exactly your film's going to fit, but if there's a, an audience for it, I'm all for that. You know, I'm not against that. So, it's cool. <laughs> so maybe if you if you if you're if you're, a, if you're a Mormon or if you like BYU TV, maybe you'll be seeing this film. If you're Steve Young, hey, you. there you go. <laughs> yeah. Let's he's name a, some Mormons, everyone. Yeah. Well, he is Brigham Young's great, 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 great grandson. Jimmer so. Fredette, yeah. is yeah. he? Yeah, he is actually related to the Brigham Young. It's uh, for the, you can actually look that one up. <laughs> I know we don't research on here, but I think that is a true fact. We're, I'd say we're about fifty percent on our facts. A yeah. lot of the time we remember it correctly, and a lot of the time we couldn't be farther wrong. No, that's perfect. <laughs> Where is Quinnipiac again? <laughs> upstate New York. That I think is a defining moment, yes. a defining moment for this podcast. Dead certain that it's when in upstate New York. We got an argument about where Quinnipiac is, about whether it's in New York or Ohio, <laughs> and it turned out to be in Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, that's right. Great. I drove away the last seven or eight listeners we had. Yeah, <laughs> it was just terrible. Well, Hunter, I this has been probably the most interesting podcast we've had for sure. Yeah. Because normally it's just me and Stu screaming back and forth about 
terrible jokes about Nick Punto, oh, even man. though he hasn't been here for five years. Well, don't sell us short. We also lose connections a lot. Yeah, yeah right. we do. That's a big yeah, thing. We got to make sure we actually save this podcast. <laughs> we got to maybe we'll have to do. If yeah. I screw this up, I'm I'm so so sorry. Oh no! But we appreciate you coming. We yes. will follow your future progress with considerable interest. And if you know, if people want to give you money instead of us, we'd be more than happy to, to have them do that instead well, of us because we can't. I can't even think of anything to use. I'll give you guys a little kickback, you know. I'll buy you a microphone or two. <laughs> we do need at least one more microphone. We tried a new <laughs> microphone, and it didn't work at all. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Brandon, Thanks, this, sorry, is, guys. this is your stuff, right? It's yeah, good, this is his whole setup. setup. Yeah, I'm so sorry that my fourth microphone wasn't up to <laughs> snuff. <laughs> it's been a real problem for this podcast. I want you to get on board with this thing, Brandon. Bunch of pricks. It's not well, fly by night anymore. I look forward to making the feature film about you guys someday. This, wow, that's, that's the worst big. film ever. Oh, <laughs> you deserve wow. it. Wow. Actually, I think, I, well, I think the the government will be happy to have like you know you know video evidence of Clarence's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> appearance <right> on <laughs> the run. Getting those words on the record. Yes, yeah. They probably have a bunch of footage already. You That's can probably true. use. <laughs> All right. So, well, thanks uh, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is this has been one of my favorite ones. Yes, so, I've been so, better myself. If you didn't like it, screw you. Yep. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you later. We drove fast, shaking all the way, like the waves in California. Sorry, I never know what to say at all. We're caught in a whirlwind, it drives a ball, and I don't think that I can make it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.